Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. The Justice Department has just indicted former President Donald Trump over his handling of classified documents after he left office. Today on the Indo Daily, could Donald Trump really be facing up to 100 years in jail? It's called election interference. They're trying to destroy a reputation so they can win an election. I'm an innocent man. I did nothing wrong. I'm innocent and we will prove that very, very soundly and hopefully very quickly. Donald Trump is back in legal trouble, this time accused of violating the Espionage Act. But what does it mean for him, his presidential bid and American politics? I'm Kevin Doyle and joining me today is Gina London, former CNN anchor and Sunday Independent columnist, to explain the charges against the former president. Gina London, I woke up to headlines this morning saying Donald Trump faces up to 100 years in jail as he declares, I'm an innocent man. Can you explain to me in the simplest terms possible what these charges that could put him in jail for a century are? Yeah, well, first of all, let's make the big headline. This is the first time in history that a criminal indictment has been handed down to a former president in the United States. I mean, this is really serious stuff. So, of course, this is also the second indictment because there was a first one a couple of months ago in a New York court. But now, federal investigators led by Special Prosecutor Jack Smith, they're charging Donald Trump with what's understood as seven criminal counts because actually they are sealed at the moment. But many of them, including one, many observers, including one of Trump's, Trump's own attorneys, have said that the charges include, among them, retention of classified materials which falls under the Espionage Act. So this is a series of charges of all, of course, relating back to his alleged withholding of up to 300 classified documents from the government, especially, essentially, the National Archives. And so this is a very serious thing, serious at any time, but especially interesting now as we think about how it will impact his bid for the presidency since he's a currently currently the front runner in a very crowded Republican primary field. We'll get to that. But one thing I don't yes. get, and I'm hoping you can explain it to me is, okay. so the accusation at least is that he left the White House. He at one point was in charge of the nation's security, but he apparently brought with him when he left some of the nation's secrets. Of yes. what Let's value... Walk, yeah. What value would those documents be to him, or do we have any sense of what's in those documents? Well, we do have a bit of a, a bit of a sense, and let's walk every, all the listeners back now in time from January twenty 
21 when he had to leave the White House. National Archives, this is a very paraphrased version, National Archives, which keeps these on record and on file, calls down to the to Mar-a-Lago to his team and says, hey, we think we're missing some. It's particularly where's the, we, we need this, there's some documents around your meeting with the North Korea leader. There's some documents around meeting with Barack Obama, or talking with Barack Obama. Where are these documents? Well, it, it the the team from Trump said, we, we'll, we've, we've sent you everything. This back and forth went on for about 15 months until finally there were some 15 boxes that were sent. And in them were about 100 documents that were marked classified, even top secret. So these types of documents, we don't have the specifics of what's within each one of these pages, but we do have then the National Archives going back now another time. This has been going on for months at this point saying, wait, we want even more. We think there's more. What about this one? What about this one? At which point the wrangling was going back and forth until finally the National Archives called in the Department of Justice. And so here's where we now go into that famous scene that was in August of 2022, nearly a year ago, where the FBI, with court documents in order to give them permission, went into Mar-a-Lago and actually seized another 33, I think it was, more boxes with another round of hundreds of pages of documents of that were marked classified on it. And ultimately, I think we have 300 total that are marked classified. So this whole wrangling back and forth is what now led the Attorney General Merrick Garland last November to appoint a special investigator. Like, okay, let's figure out what happened here. Why was this, are are there even more? What's at stake? Why did you retain them if you did? He, Donald Trump, has gone on loads of different interviews and put on his his Truth Social site that he declassified them himself, just even by thinking them, thinking that they were just declassified, he said. So let's but get there's that been right. no evidence based on that, that he has the power as a president to do that, and that he should have relinquished all of them at the very beginning, the moment that he was leaving the White House. So all of this back and forth goes back to intent, motivation, and all these laws now that are apparently part of the seven charges that are being brought against him today and that he'll have to answer for when he's officially arraigned next week. So Trump's defense, if you like, is he accepts that he had all these documents. He accepts that they were sensitive documents, but he says he did nothing illegal because he was the president and therefore could do pretty much whatever he wanted with the documents because during his time as president, they were his to do as he saw fit. And this is all a witch hunt. Is that that summary? I think think that's a very fair assessment. And he even called it when he was talking about it on our texting about it, posting about it Yes, the, after he got indicted on True Social. He calls it now the boxes, the, the boxes hoax. So he's always got terminology for how he's trying to dismiss the severity of what's at stake. But yes, the law says you need to hand these over as president. He said that he declassified it, so it was his to do what he wanted. And that's where we are today. Tell me about Jack Smith, the veteran special counsel who's at the center of the investigation. Absolutely. He's, his name is going to become probably a household name now because, first of all, let's not forget, there's he's the head of this particular investigation that now is making its way through the process as we're talking about right now with the indictments. But he's also the head of the investigation 
that is going around what was Trump's role in trying to overturn the 2020 election, which of course led to the violent storming of the Capitol on January 6th. So who is he? Well, he, as I mentioned, he was appointed special counsel by attorney general last November. He's a career prosecutor. He's was educated at Harvard. He's practiced as a prosecutor in New York. Most recently, though, he served as the chief prosecutor at the International Crimes Court in The Hague, where he was investigating, among other things, war crimes in Kosovo. So this guy is dedicated. Oh, another demonstration of his dedication and discipline is he's he's a devoted athlete. He's competed in several triathlons. And colleagues have described him as aggressive, and independent. And speaking of independent, that is how he's registered on his voting card. And it's important to point out that in the wake of these indictments coming down, while many Republicans have been blasting the charges and are painting the Justice Department, in their words, as weaponized, I haven't heard anyone call out Jack Smith directly by name. So he's a serious operator. What about then the political implications of all this, Gina? Trump still the front runner for the Republican Party, presumably this now is going to wrangle on well into and beyond the 2024 presidential election. What does this mean for Trump? Is it good because he uses it for fundraising? It gives him a, a drum to bang? Or is it bad because American voters might go, hold on a second, we need, we can't go on with this strife forever? Well, that's you make the very good point. First of all, I was going to mention as well that, yes, immediately after Trump went on talking about the boxes hoax and how he's an innocent man on Truth Social, they also launched a campaign, a fundraising campaign, using the whole indictment as a as a hoax, as a, excuse me, as a hook to fundraise more. And now, though, that's a there are about I think fourteen people at the time that we're talking. Someone else throws her hat in the ring every other day in the Republican primary field, and. Of course, interestingly, to look at the way the different challengers are reacting to this, I think is also something that you can get a little bit of a flavor of how they're thinking, the, the other challengers, it might be playing out to the Republican electorate. So some of them are not wanting to actually come right out and distance themselves from Trump around this because they're fearful that that main core base of Trump's doesn't want anyone to speak against him, that they're going to stay with him no matter what. So DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, said that he pardon, he would pardon Donald Trump if he became president. And Tim Scott, who's a senator from South Carolina, he says that he's condemning the Justice Department along with many other Republicans. Interestingly, though, a couple of notable dissensions from that style of, of talking about against the Department of Justice and not against Donald Trump are... Chris Christie, the former governor of New Jersey, who just put his hat in the ring real recently this week, he says that no one's above the law. And in his words, these are all self-inflicted wounds by Trump. And Asa Hutchinson, the former governor of Arkansas, has come straight out and called on Trump to resign around this. And I think as we also take a look in the horizon, not only of this criminal charge, all these criminal charges in this under this particular indictment from the Department of Justice, we also have to think about the January 6th investigation under the Department of Justice and also the grand jury that's listening and going through proceedings now in the in the court case that's underway in New York. And, of course, the potential obstruction of justice once again in trying to turn over the election results in Georgia in that particular case. So there are so many cases that are still swirling around this president. Even if that core 
base stays with him through the primary, he's going to need more than that to have him emerge as the victor in this field well, in the Republican primary. And I think Ron DeSantis is playing his, he's the second in the list, even though Donald Trump right now is right out in front. And I think he's trying not to distance the base. He's balancing, got this balancing act going because he may ultimately emerge if there's enough fatigue around the Donald Trump legal, legal wranglings, he may be able to use that as a stair step to emerge as the ultimate primary election candidate for the Republican Party and then take on Joe Biden. And Joe Biden and Ron DeSantis, the poll show, if they go against each other in general, Ron DeSantis wins. Well, Gina London, we love having you on the Indo-Daily and getting your insights on American politics. But I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want it fudged, the answer fudged. I want a straight up answer that I can play okay. back to you in 12 months or maybe 12 years time. Will Is Donald Trump more likely to be back in the Oval Office or in a prison cell at some date in the future? He is 77 years old next week. Happy birthday, Donald, June 14th. <laughs> Which is more likely, that he becomes president again or that he serves a day in jail? I am not going to take that binary decision trap. Thank you very much. I think it is unlikely that he becomes president, but it is also unlikely that he serves any time really behind bars due to the stature as a former president. You fudged it. Gina London, thank you very much. I'm Kevin Doyle and today's episode was produced by Mary Carroll, researched by Garrett Mulhall, recorded by Niall McMonagall with sound by John Smith. Archive clips were from Fox News and Truth Social. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. <laughs>